Ooh. Man, I'm still, uh, I just looked down at my, my shoes still untied from our worship time together. I jumped my, my shoelaces untied worshiping the Lord today. Wasn't that so good? When I was praying before our service, I just had this sense that the Lord was saying that, uh, that his presence, his fire would fall on our sacrifice of praise. How many of you experienced some of the fire of God this morning as you praised him, as you brought a sacrifice of praise this morning? And uh, I was thinking just over the past week or two, how contested the area of, of worship is. Uh, you know, I've been here for a while and I've seen a lot of worship leaders come and go. Paul, you've seen more than I have. <laughs> And even in staff, you know, Travis, Paul, and I were just like, Lonnie, we're like, oh man, worship. And we just, we, there's just always this, it's almost like the Lord was letting there be a tension of, around this area of worship and praise. And uh, this isn't my message, but I do, I just have this sense that the Lord wanted me to share just a quick, just picture from a familiar story of. You know, Paul and Silas in prison, right? And uh, the Lord putting it on our, our heart as a staff to not only challenge our worship leaders to hear the Lord and follow the Lord's spirit, but that we would all as a church, uh, I heard Jeremy Riddle say to his church or something, he said, come and priest with me. We're all priests together in this. Come and priest with me and the idea that we're all being challenged to recognize those sweet moments when the Lord is, is there and he's drawn near to us. You know, that's one of the ways to describe worship is literally to draw near. You know, I, I think the, the, the story where, well, you know, what happened where Jesus was tempted by the enemy and he, the enemy told Jesus, if you just bow down and worship me, right? Do you think the enemy just wanted Jesus to sing to him a song or two? <laughs> Is that you think, do you really think that the enemy was just like singing me a couple, you know, of your favorite ballads? No, he wanted Jesus to bow down and submit himself completely unto Satan and to look up into the eyes of the Satan. That's what enemy was after. He, he didn't want Jesus just to sing a song, right? Can you imagine Jesus whipping out the fog machine, a couple electric, come on guys, we're going to worship the devil, I don't know, let's do, you know, it's weird. I think about that, I think about Paul and Silas, and uh, things were going good for these guys, you know, they, were, they saw a conversion, and having a great time, and all of a sudden they start getting nagged by uh, a, a fortune teller, someone with the spirit of divination, and cast the spirit out of them, winds up getting thrown in jail for, read the story. <laughs> but they're in jail, right, shackled. And I did some research about what the, the jails were like in those days, and they were they didn't have cable TV and nice, me <laughs> nice meals and a, and a weight bench or anything like that. They were shackled, and there was usually a lot of human waste, there we go, <laughs> around them. And it, was very, and it says at midnight, I'm just going to read this real quick. It says at midnight, 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. In the Greek, in the Greek, singing hymns of praise literally means celebrating God. That's what they were literally doing. Celebrating God in that place. And uh, you know what happens next, right? Earthquake begins to shake the foundations of this place. And a the jailer is actually awoken and saved. Salvation literally came to his house. And I love this other part. The scripture says, and the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> the, the prisoners were listening to them celebrate God, shackled. It says in previous, in a couple of verses before, that they were beaten with rods. So they're not feeling that great. You know, I think this is one of those stories that you, you know, I, I think it's important for us when we read scripture, we put ourselves in Paul and Silas's shoes when we read scripture. So just the story, oh yeah, those guys, man, that's intense. No, put yourself in there. I know, I know when I'm when I'm hurting, I'm I'm pretty grumpy. You hurt my lower back, you give me a, a little sinus infection, that's my I'm a baby. I'm like, don't mess with me. Bring me some ginger ale and some NyQuil, and I'm not doing anything. I'm just covering my head and trying to let it pass. These guys had a lot more than a little sinus issue going on. <laughs> right? They, they have a little bit more going on than they tweaked their lower back in tennis the day before, right? They got a lot going on. They're beaten. They're hurting, bleeding, probably got some infection going on. You know how when I get infections, you know, I feel I feel tired when my body's fighting something. So yeah, put yourself in these guys' shoes. I encourage you when you read the word, you know, ask Holy Spirit to illuminate stuff, but also put yourself, I challenge you, to feel the emotion of the story. Feel what's happening in these stories because they're real and they'll teach you something. They'll, they'll peel back what's inside of your heart and cause you to ask the question, whoa, what would I do? I get, I get a little ticked off if the words on the screen aren't right on point, man. <laughs> if I gotta be honest with myself, man, those words better be on or I'm just in a tizzy. <laughs> no projector in the, uh, in the prison. No smoke machine, none of that. <laughs> but something happened. How can men praise the Lord like that? And the Lord just showed me that although their bodies, their physical body was in this jail cell, although their physical bodies were hurting, although their physical bodies were tired, although their physical hands and feet were shackled, their spirit was in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. And they were able, from that place of being in Christ, to begin to celebrate the one who put them there. <laughs> a challenge, it's a word for this time. Because I, 
there, there, there is this pulling away, and I, and I love the worship movement that's taking place. Worship is everywhere. It's, it, it's a click of the button. If you don't like that style, just go to this other YouTube channel, and you can find the style that you like. And if, you don't, if that one's too loud, you can find one that's quiet. And if that one's too quiet, you can find one that's a little bit more exciting. And if you, you just keep on clicking, clicking, clicking until you find the one that suits your fancy. Paul and Silas didn't have YouTube. They had a reality that they were seated in Christ. They had a familiarity in a good way. You know how you can get, sometimes you get familiar with something that's bad. They had, but they had the ability to recognize that their God was worthy of celebration in the middle of a chaotic, painful, hard time. And it's a really unique opportunity that we have here on earth. Because we won't get to experience that in glory. There are no shackles and chains in glory, right? There is no sickness. There are no bruises. There is no sinus infections. There are no hurt backs from tennis. None of that's in heaven. So when we're there, we don't get this opportunity. We get to just praise him in the fullness and the reality of his. I just can't even describe it. But here, we have an opportunity to praise him through pain and to become familiar with his presence. And as we were worshiping today, I just saw husbands and wives at home. I saw families just gathering together and worshiping. And I saw your neighbors start to hear it. And I saw the city around us start to hear it. And I saw people getting saved because we were a people. Lord, come. Thank you for being here right now. Forgive us, Lord, for any time we've made worship about what we like or what we want. Forgive me, Lord, for the things I don't understand and the things that I've done that are just off. Lord, I pray. Pray in Jesus' name that I would be a man and I would lead a family that knows how to praise and celebrate you in every season. To the glory of your name, Lord. I want to release the kind of praise that can only come from being seated in Christ in heavenly places. That wasn't what I was going to talk about today, <laughs> Travis. <laughs> but I think it's a word for us today. I'm not going to... I might just share one little nugget from what I wanted to share with you all today. But how many of you all need to hear, a little, hear that? I mean, like, you like a little Holy Spirit conviction. So it's like, I'm in this point in my life where like, I would rather get some like friendly correction then some like enemy praise, you know? It's like I'm like craving. I, it's like I'm like, learning how to rejoice in correction. And uh, 
I don't know, I just felt like it was something for us, especially on the heels of what we experience today. You have access to that every day of your lives. I love what Miriam said about just getting a little weepy in the car. How many of y'all have some encounters with Jesus at 60, 70? Who knows how fast you're going, you know? Hallelujah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I, I encourage you all. I, I challenge us as a body, don't become familiar with a song. Become familiar with a person. I encourage you. Because I promise you, if you read scripture, you'll realize, and you look at our, the revival history, he always comes in a way that's a little bit offensive to people. I was reading or watching stuff last night about the Toronto blessing, and there was a split on what was happening, because there were people that were just like, oh man, we're crying out for God that when God comes in a way that they're not familiar with, all of a sudden, they didn't learn how to recognize him. They recognized Maybe the nostalgia of other movement or a song or something. If it doesn't sound like that, it doesn't look like that, it can't be God. No, we've got to be a people who can recognize a person and not a song. I encourage you in that. And that's not, and that's not letting worship leaders off the hook because I challenge us as worship leaders to press into the heart of God to hear his song for a specific church. We're all in this together. I challenge you who don't have instruments or the ability to do that. And here's a, here's a little trick. How many of you husbands know that look in your wife's, in your wife's eyes that tells you you're in trouble. <laughs> I didn't ask you to raise your hand, but I appreciate you raising your hand. <laughs> how, how, how do you get to know that look? Because you've seen it a bunch. <laughs> yeah. You know, how many of you, well, kids are all back there, but our kids, man. Alexi, do you know the look in your parents' eyes? Like, oh, I know I am in trouble. But there's also this look of sheer delight, like, oh, wow, they're, they're absolutely, you get to know that because you've taken time getting to know that. You've seen it before. You've been with them long enough to know. That's, what, that's how we get familiar with him. We are with him. <laughs> we are with him. We are, and I, here's one of my favorite words lately is, devoted. We are devoted to him. We have devoted ourselves to him. It's not a haphazardly, okay, you know, maybe I will. No, there isn't. When you devote something to something, there is an intentionality taking place. If you're devoted to working out, you intentionally set your alarm clock a little bit earlier to make sure that you have time for that run or that weightlifting session. If you've devoted yourself to eating right, you intentionally went out and got some of the meal prep uh, Tupperware and did everything. You are intentionally doing something when you are devoted to something. And, the, and scripture tells us devote yourselves. Not only to fellowship, but to prayer. Devote yourself to breaking bread, but it also says devote yourself to praise. Devote yourselves. 
Romans 12 says that our reasonable act of worship is to what? Present ourselves as living sacrifice. Devote yourself. And Lord, show me when we don't devote, when I don't devote myself to something, it's almost like by default, neglect creeps in. It's like there is no gray area. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I guess I didn't brush the back of my, my far back left part of my mouth good enough for a while. And I got this cavity and I got it filled. And I was like, okay. And then a couple months later, another part of the tooth around the cavity broke off to the point it was so hard. It was bad. Couldn't drink anything, cold anything hot for a long time. And um, drove my wife crazy because I had to do this all the time. Anyway, it was, it was, a, it was a disaster. And I take a lot of pride in my, I take a lot of pride in my teeth. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. <laughs> I take a lot of pride in my teeth. People my whole life have been like, oh, you have great teeth. Well, I can't believe it. Did you ever have braces? I'm like, no, God gave me these. Oh, so cool. And all of a sudden I go to the dentist and I'm like, yeah, I need to get this, you know, other part of my tooth. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh man, I'm sorry to tell you this. We can't even put a crown on that thing. We have to extract it. Oh man, that crushed me. That crushed me. And the Lord brought me through this whole thing. I had Paul, Travis, people laying hands, asking for restoration on my tooth. and no, To the point, I'm like literally praying in tongues in the dentist off, or oral surgery chair. As the, as the Novocaine's taking over, I'm like blah, 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 trying to pray in tongues, asking for a miracle. I'm like, God, you're going to blow these people away with the miracle that's going to take place. <laughs> Doesn't happen. <laughs> it's a funny story, but it all, it wasn't very, it's funny for me now. I was, I was devastated. I was like looking in the mirror, trying to smile, make sure that nobody could see that a tooth had just been pulled. I mean, it was just, it was a big deal for me. And I'm like, Lord, please don't let me go through this without at least learning something of eternal spiritual value. <laughs> please, like if I'm going to lose a tooth, God. And he started talking to me about devotion, and there's being, an in, being intentional, intentionally devoting ourselves unto the Lord. Because if I had intentionally devoted myself to making sure I got that far back tooth a lot better and you know, flossing back there a little bit, this wouldn't have happened. It's almost by like default, neglect crept right in. I feel like that's something that happens in our worship times. We, we come in on a Sunday, but I can tell you, if I only brush my teeth on Sunday, they're going to be doing more than just taking out one tooth. <laughs> can I get amen? <laughs> Let's get familiar with his presence. I encourage us today. We wrestle not with flesh and with blood, but there is a spiritual attack. I believe most of us will probably hear it from a spiritual source within our own minds, questioning the very character, questioning the very identity of who Jesus says we are. In Christ, your hearts are not wicked. Your sins are forgiven. 
He is faithful and he is just to forgive. You need to not just know that, yes, I can question it. No, I, because when that accuser comes, you have to crush that lie. You have to crush the voice of Eliab with truth. You can't just wrestle with it. You have to literally take it captive and like torture that thing with truth. That is what's taking place. It says, take every thought captive. What does that mean? I'm literally taking that thing hostage, and when this thing comes against me that says I have a wicked heart, or I'm a bad father, or I'm, the, I'm a bad mother, or I can't sing that great, or you're doing this for your own glory, or God's not going to provide for you, keep your money, you better watch it, all this stuff, I start, and I got to take it captive and literally torture that lie with truth. Come on, right? This is what we're called to do. Do that. (laughs) Do that. Turn to people. Get people around you. Have people that you can turn to. They're going to say, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that dude's problem is. This is really what's happening here. Get that in the inside and live from that. Do not entertain for a second the false accusation of the accuser. Don't entertain it. It is a slippery, slippery slope. And I believe your first, your first uh, attack isn't call up somebody, hey, man, let me tell you about it. No, your first attack is crush that thing with truth. That is your first thing. This is not who the Lord says I am. The, I know, I'm a man after God's own heart, David would say. He would encourage himself. He would strengthen himself in the Lord. He wasn't sending out messenger pigeons to somebody. Hey, I need a, somebody, somebody come pray for me. He was in himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. So that when we leave that place, we don't have to walk around. Oh, man, I just blew it today. Oh, man, I just... Terrible at my job, and oh man, I just don't have enough. You can literally walk out in this world and be light, and you can be life, and you can be love, and you can live the gospel in front of people because you took the voice of the accuser captive and lived like a free child, son, and daughter of God at your workplace. You can live like a free child of God in front of your kids. Around your in-laws, <laughs> you can carry this thing with the anointing of God on your life and turn away from this. I think it's important that we do that, y'all. I, that's, there's so many other things I want to share, but I just feel like where we're at as a body, this is something that is absolutely crucial. So I just want to pray that everybody, does anybody here just wrestle with that internal accuser voice of not worthy? Oh, you're, how dare you be so presumptuous to think that you could ever do da, da, da. Let me just stand before you as a brother in the Lord. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. The Lord sees you. He sees you through Jesus. And he is absolutely delighted in you. The same thing that Adam saw when God breathed the breath of life in him. You know what Adam saw? The very first thing he saw? He saw a father 
absolutely delighted to be with him. Yes. He was marked by the delight of his father. When Jesus was baptized and the sky split open, Jesus again was marked by the delight of his father. And no matter what the enemy tried to do, whatever accusations he brought against him, he would not trip up. He was absolutely rooted and established in the sheer delight and the joy of the Father. And I think that's a part of what fullness of joy is, is knowing that he knows you. And he's absolutely, I said this a couple weeks ago, Emmanuel, God with us, but I also believe he's Emmanuel. He's delighted to be with you. He's delighted to be with you. Amen.